and so I have one vote. This is the last vote we have to do. Uh, we never did this, and I, um, I forgot about it. Uh, so when we chartered as a church, I forgot that um, we, when we became a reconciling congregation of the United Methodist Church, we became a reconciling community within Aldersgate. And that's still our status. Uh, so we have to uh, vote to become a church that is reconciling um, an actual, and so yeah, we never did this when we chartered. So, um, I apologize for that. In your packet, there is a, um, the, our, our statement of, um, the statement that we wrote in 2019 is in, your, um, is in the packet on page uh, 38. And we want to uh, keep the same statement. We're not changing it in any way. Um, we still love every um, bit of the, and the team who, who wrote it, actually included Alyssa, who was giving you food today. Um, and Christian was on that team. Uh, I don't remember, who else was on that team? Oh, well, they, they were on that team. Uh, and so uh, we would like to just, I, I'd like to make the motion that with the enclosed um, welcoming, reconciling statement that was written in 2019 and was adopted by 98% of our congregation then, um, that we um, become a reconciling church now instead of community with the same statement. Do I have a second? Wonderful. All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Awesome. Uh, so this is when, um, this is all the business is done now. Super excited. Maybe Ryan, you just come up and we can kind of tag team this thing. You want to do this? Yeah. Um, so this is, this, we want to make sure that we have time to answer any questions you have. Um, but this is really the, the time in the, let's see, where's the second microphone? Oh, it's over here. Um, this is the time where we want to just share with you um, where, where the church is going, celebrate some of the really great things that happened this year, and then um, talk about where the church is going. So I'll do a little bit of the celebrating, and then I think um, Ryan's going to do some of the telling you where it's going piece, and I might add into that as well. Um, this is Ryan, by the way, our lay leader. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Hey, you got bingo? Somebody got bingo. <laughs> yeah, what was the last, what was the word that got... Celebrate seven. That was it. That's awesome. Um, so this year, if I think back over this year um, about what were the defining moments, um, in my mind, some of the defining moments that I wrote in my pastor report was, you know, having uh, Christmas at the barn canceled for nine degree weather. Right? Like that was like a like a really sad low, but. Um, there were some bigger things that happened this year that I think um, set us on a trajectory of, of maturity. Uh, so for instance, uh, we began a few new partnerships in the community. And not only did we um, begin partnerships, those partnerships immediately became like incredible valued partners. I will tell you, I was I was texting back and forth yesterday with CJ at Chalkboard, getting ready for what, what we were going to, how we were going to respond for the shutdown. We had already, ha we created an entire plan of how we were going to prepare. We were going to offer free meals on Tuesday nights and what, how big the chicken was and all of that. And then we had to back up, but we said we we're going to hold it, right? So we have a partner that's willing to do that kind of work with us almost like immediately. It's we got Fiona's back, right? Like that's the kind of thing that's just so huge for what we do here, how we do ministry. Uh, also, someone like Knowles, who we've been partners with forever, our reputation and um, our rapport with them has led to them asking us to do 
an event we never never would have been asked to do before. And not only that, um, this year, one of the crazy bright and shiny moments, even though it got canceled for nine degree weather, it was the first time in six years that Knowles decided to co-host that Christmas Eve service with us. It's the, that is the slow work of collaboration. It takes six years to get somebody who wants you to have Santa on their property, but and allows you to use your property for worship to then say, we want to co-host this with you. We'll put it on our page too. Um, too bad it got canceled. But still, Stuff those are the right kind right. of big things that just put a, it's, what, it's who we are, it's what we do. And when, when that hurts, when collaboration isn't at its best, you can feel it through the rest of the church. Um, it, it's hard to do things. Um, it doesn't feel nearly as impactful. Um, and so the more we can create new relationships with people in the community. And then we also have this wonderful new relationship with um, Provision Kitchen. I mean, it happens to be that we had a relationship with Alyssa before. She used to work at our church as, as our children's director. But now she's planting a church. Hey, we were a church that knows what it's like to be planted. We know what, that, what that's like. But also, um, they are a, a church that's not like this. Like, they're not going to ever be funded by congregational revenue. They are a church where the table is out where people live. Um, and so it's a whole new concept. And it also gives us an opportunity, though, the more we partner with people in places like that, the more we don't buy Wegmans trays of, of sandwiches, but instead pay Provision Kitchen for their food. Um, every moment that happens, you'll see us doing that. You're going to say, why are we using them so much to cater? Because their food, the, what we pay them in food, what we pay them for commu- communion bread, um, what we pay them for coffee on a Sunday morning goes directly towards um, uh, creating an opportunity for people to, um, to flourish who live in poverty along Route 1. So we want to do that as much as possible, um, really making a huge effort to do as much good as we possibly can. I will say I'm not a particularly advanced thinking person. Who knows that about me? So I, I can really get by with a lot by like deciding on a Thursday, <laughs> the week we need to have food. Where Okay, I'm going to finally put that order in. Where should I get it? You cannot do that and do collaboration well, right? So I'm, I'm also learning a lot myself. I have to think way further in advance to do good work with people where the money will go to the right place, right? Um, but we're doing a lot of advanced effort, which proves to you how we got to this fall, where by the beginning of August, we had our entire calendar from, I mean, that never happened. Entire fall calendar from September all the way through the end of December planned out with five plus partners involved, all committed to days, times. We, I mean, and that's, that's advanced planning. It's strategic thinking involved. Uh, and we were able to, when you know what you want to do or what you should be doing instead of reacting, We've always been a reactive church, right? That's part of the fun of it is that we just can do things. I can I can text CJ and go, hey, you you can buy, can you buy a chicken for this week? But it's it's also not maturing. It's not a part of that lacking and nothing thing, right? The maturing is thinking in advance so that we can use our money as well as we possibly can. So that's our goal this year. I'm super excited about giving 10% of our budget away. Um, and we, part of that, as you see, is also what we do with Knowles. And, and if we, the other thing is if you, if you collaborate with people who then want to do good with you too, then you're just, it's like bonus. It's like we are already hosting this event with Knowles for the good of the community, for 
neighborliness and welcome and hospitality and and to you know to introduce them to to a church that is doesn't allows them to have doubt and knows that they're loved and also we are going to um, stock the pantry at Rising Hope with them, right? Like, th there's a whole, how can we do the most good? We are going to continue to think that way. How can this be not just a trailer treat? How can this be one step beyond that to do the most good? Um, and that's how you get to giving away 25000 hopefully, this coming year. I'm going to hand it over. Those are all the things I'm excited about. Now I'm going to hand it over to Ryan to tell you, to show you a little bit of the three-year plan. All right, thank you very much. Um, and should we be cutting the cake soon? Yes. Okay, that, that's part of the, the, the 2024 plan is cutting the cake. Um, now, again, thank you all for your attention to all of these issues, and thank you to the rest of the leadership team for kind of wading through a summer of big decisions and uh, a lot of good discussion on this. Um, if you haven't really sat down with this infographic, to, I mean, there's a, an, a whole lot of information, both about where we are right now and where we're going um, in that. Uh, just to hit a few highlights, um, you know, Michelle was just talking about a, a few things that are all very interconnected. So these discussions about becoming our own 501c3, well, that also is related to stewarding our funds well, um, making it making our money go farther. It also allows us to do things like uh, what's going to be coming here in 2024, really ro uh, investing in, with our time, a, a more robust online community that's made possible by not having to jump through certain hurdles digitally that our previous financial, uh, our, our lack of incorporation uh, caused us. So um, some of these administrative elements, that's, why, why do they matter? They matter because now we can actually have the online community we need in order um, uh, to kind of live out our conversations, our collaborations, and our creative discussions. Uh, I think on the left-hand side there, that three-year strategic plan, one of the big things that we did when we sat down last summer, or last September actually, to talk through this was we, we, we kind of, we, we were all actually saying, let's have some modest expectations for 2023. We're gonna have this new three-year plan, we're gonna start a little slowly, work on a few fundamental things. We actually knocked out everything that we needed to do in 2023 and actually took on some of the harder challenges that were going to happen this year. Um, so again, um, that is both through uh, your own efforts and um, certainly willing things into existence on the part of Pastor Michelle um, and becoming our general counsel, paralegal, and an expert in church and corporation, by the way. Um, you know, so coming into 2024, some of the things that we're really going to be focusing on, and there's lots of little things that are going to happen along the way, but one of the big things is to think about how we can give back to the community even more than we have before. So with these new, uh, the new budget that we all just approved, there's the opportunity to leverage those funds farther back into the community. Um, actually, attention towards directly growing the body of our church online and um, in the, the pews or in the chairs is an important part this year. And that's to, again, extend that, um, that reach and, um, and also to, to grow and move from this sort of survival mentality that we were all in for a few years there into something more about thriving and moving forward. Um, so actually, attention to growing the church directly. And I think a lot of the events that we typically have in the fall, we're already thinking about how we can turn those into opportunities to actually recruit and evangelize a little bit. Um, and then, you know, the, the online community, what are some of the things that, uh, what, what will that look like? 
Um, you know, there's the, the church app that was started roughly about six months ago is going to be adapting slightly. There's going to be more information coming out about that, but it's going to become more streamlined now that we don't have the administrative hurdles of not being our own 501c3. What is that going to mean? It's going to mean that our communication, the way that we relate to each other and connect is actually going to get more streamlined through the app. We won't have to keep track of all kinds of email exchanges, sign up genius, uh, and uh, text threads anymore. We can all have more coordinated communication in that one place. And that's going to make um, our actual experience and our online experience much simil more similar to each other. Um, also, the ability to kind of leverage that going forward. Um, and then starting to think more about innovative ways of worship. Um, other times of day, other times during the week, different types of ways of being out in front of the community is another key focus for us in 2024, to experiment with those new ideas. And I think, you know, th this testing thing at the end there, one of the things we started to realize is that um, there is an awful lot that Pastor Michelle does that keeps us on track that is actually really the church's job to be doing and keeping track of. Um, so, so there's training wheels on our church right now, and we're going to be trying to take them off gently. Um, uh, and so sometimes that might look like a, a little bit of respite or a little uh, four to six week clergy leave or something like that in order to allow us to, to practice running a church uh, without being directly told what to do all the time. So um, it's exciting stuff. Hope. Um, and then I think, um, you know, in, in moving on into the, uh, the next year, right, 2025, I think uh, really, it's, it's leveraging those new tools, those online, that online community, um, maturing further. Uh, that, when it talks about that growing that accountability to the United Methodist Church, that's both, that, that's, yes, there will be bigger bills to pay. But that is an investment in the church's reach and in, in, um, in planting new churches like ours elsewhere. Um, all those things that um, Cheryl pointed to, like when you invest in the UMC, the larger body, um, those investments do come back to us. But over the next few years, what we're going to be asked to contribute there um, is going to be growing. And so we'll need to um, think about that. Um, and, and just think about how the church's organization needs to change over time um, to accommodate the growth in membership and in mission. The point in there about pastoral transition, that's one that can definitely seem like a scary, scary thing. But uh, um, it's also a sign of maturing. I, we love you, Michelle, but we know that the, you, know, you may be called to other things. There's moments, actually, and she's talked about this, how in the health of church plants, you don't want to have the same pastor for past that 10 to 12 year zone. It's one of the signs that the church is about to decline, actually. They never took the training wheels off. So I think it's, so for all the right reasons, we need to practice and plan and grow as in order to be able to um, imagine an evolution um, beyond Pastor Michelle. Um, again, definitely a, a little bit scary and makes all of us a little nervous. But that's partly what uh, going from surviving to thriving is. Part of what maturing is, you're going to be a little nervous at times. Um, so those are some of the main things that we're going to be doing over the next three years, uh, using the tools and the hard work of this last year in setting ourselves up. Um, you know, and I think one of the big things about this 501c3 is the ability for us to out tap into other sources of funds and grants 
for portions of our ministry that we've never had access to before. So that's another, some more fuel for making this all possible. Right. So a lot in um, the future in general, more specifics to come. Um, take you know, a, a look, you know, keep, keep the infographic close um, because there's, there's a lot in there to, to think about. Um, I know that one of the next key things that we want to talk about is just open it up for a broader Q&A. Even if your mouth's full of cake, that's okay. Got it. That's definitely important. So I know that Renee is ready to help answer questions too. Um, oh, there's another mic right there. Okay, so just as a reminder, if you want to ask a question anonymously, you can go to kingstownleadership.net slash lacking nothing. No? Sorry, kingstowncommunion.net slash lacking nothing. Okay, good. Oh, it's on the screen again. Great. All right. So um, that is in my hands. It'll pop up if you ask a question there. Um, as far as people on the floor, I've already got one question. <laughs> yeah, so I'm curious, how long does Misha have, has, have, has left before the 10 to 12 years? Uh, we've got another question from Phoebe. Yeah, I have a question about our reconciling statement. Um, I So my understanding of the concept of reconciling churches is that because um, the Methodist church as a whole does says uh, same-sex marriage is not allowed, that one of the um, goals of becoming a reconciling church was to say that we do support same-sex marriage, even though the Methodist church does not allow that. I don't see anything in this statement that explicitly says our church supports same-sex marriage. Is that, um, are we not allowed to say that explicitly? No, 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 I'm just asking like in the reconciling statement, I don't see anything that says our church supports same-sex marriage, which I thought was what being a reconciling church was about. I mean, the, of course, the, the term sexual orientation appears in there, but I don't just, I, I just think, like... I'm trying to make it more holistic, and I think the thing is, over time, reconciling ministries has become more holistic. Um, but it doesn't specifically say that, no, but there 
Right. Right. That clearly yeah. means we believe they can be ordained, right? Um, and then the other, I mean, that was our, cause, because here's the thing, our congregation has no say over um, people marrying. Our congregation does have a say. In fact, the more important one, actually, for a congregation to affirm is not same-sex marriage, but to affirm uh, that we will ordain somebody because we are the ones who have to Okay. Okay. Yeah. That I, that is more explicit in the statement. I see. Okay. Thank you. I got uh, a question um, online. Um, the, the first part: How much longer will Pastor Michelle be part of Kingstown? Will the great UMC ever decide she needs to leave? What would that transition look like? So I, I, at this point in my, so, well, you, I mean, you, you all have asked, so I will answer honestly. At this point in my ministry, likely every spring, there will likely be somebody who calls me. It just, it, it, it's that, that's, it, I'm that far along in ministry now, and there are so many people retiring, and so many larger churches and places that need, um, pastors that are right are getting close to that 40 age mark because i'm like i'm i'm 30 not uh, 30 how old am i chris <laughs> i'm 38 i'll be turning 39 but like that kind of like 39 40 is a is, so this is the time where i'm gonna get a lot of calls it's just gonna happen the real question is though they don't want to mix anything up they don't want to make they don't want to make messes out of things that work they don't want to do that right now especially because this we have not talked about this yet not really much Christian brought it up after annual conference, but this May is general conference that was supposed to happen back in 2020. So the one we've been talking about, the one that was ahead, except everything fell apart between 2020 and 2024. Everything that we thought was gonna happen there has totally fallen apart. So there's lots of, a, there's a general conference coming up. There are lots of disaffiliating churches. And when churches leave, there's also sometimes buildings that are empty and they're wanting to do new things in buildings. It's a very rocky, weird period. Um, they also, they don't want to be mix, mix, mixing up things, messing up things that work. But if at some point it's discerned that for the betterment of Kingstown, I could go somewhere else, um, it, it's, it's, it's always a possibility. I just have to be honest, every July I'm reappointed here. So that means every spring, it's a possibility I could go someplace else. Do I want to go someplace else? No, I don't have any, I, I, I love being the pastor here. Um, I also do know that time, it, there's only so much time and so few clergy in this age bracket, right? And so many clergy retiring because of disaffiliations and splits in the Methodist church and all of that. So there's, I mean, just, I know that. Do I think I'm leaving this year now? 
So that's, that would be what I, I don't. I don't want to give you all anxiety. I just want to, and I think you probably are sensing it's the first time we've ever put it in writing that it could happen or something. So you're like, is this their way of telling us that this is happening? No, it's the responsible way to talk about it because most churches that are new church plants, they avoid the conversation and then you find out in May that, I'm, that, that their pastor is leaving July 1 and, and it, does, it never goes well, never goes well. So I would rather you all just know it's a possibility and I would l- rather my leadership team especially hold the possibility that within their tenure it could happen. So like, I mean, Ryan is brand new on as our, as our lay leader for three years. Cheryl is brand new as our finance chair for the next three years. They both knew when I told them, I asked them on, I want you to know the likelihood of within your tenure here it could happen. And I need strong leaders. So that's why, I'm, I mean, we have strong leaders right now. But I'm not saying it is gonna happen, so don't hear that. I'm not choosing that. I don't know that it's gonna happen. I know nothing, this is not some secret message to you that it's gonna happen, nothing. Just is the smart way to do it, is to let you know ahead of time that it could happen. Yeah. Do we have any other questions on the floor? Yep. So no, we have to be out by one. We have plenty of time for like the space. Um, but if kids, people have kids, or if you at any point you need, we needed to let the nursery workers go. And if you need to go, do not feel bound to be here. So, yeah, head out. You had a question. Yeah, so for the 250,000, so if the congregation grows, you're naturally gonna exceed that. So it wasn't clear to me whether that 250,000 was tithes, right? Because you would exceed that in tithes if the congregation grows, hopefully, or it was associated with if you had to give outside of the tithes to, let's say, the um, hawk pantry and stuff like that. Well, like, what is it 250 referring to? That's a good, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I don't, um, I, I don't, obviously I don't know exactly, but I would say that this is more, this is more industry, kind of the, the church industry, 21st century language about around what it means to be a lean church. And it, the understanding is to have all of the necessary pieces for a church to run and thrive, and those pieces being a place to do it, a full-time clergy person, a person who leads the music, a person who leads the children, a person who handles all the finances and administrative stuff, those are like the key pieces. And then to also be a part of the denomination by being able to pay what you are asked to pay. With all those pieces combined, they say that a church can do all of that and do all the ministry it wants to do on a congregational revenue of about 250,000. That is where it says, at that point, we should not be, at that point there's nothing, there's no big things lacking anymore, right? Now, do we want out of the blue, we, are we growing as a congregation so large that the pastor can't, do we have, first of all, do we have room here to grow, 100%, right? This space, in and of itself, plenty of room to grow right now. Our children's classrooms, every once in a while are, are packed, most Sundays still have a little bit of room to grow, but we do have, you know, we are thinking about what would it look like if there was another um, uh, classroom that we needed down the road. But it's, it's at a certain point you have all the right things in the right place and you don't really have to pay more for more people to show up, right? 
You don't have to pay as much more for more people. Then, though, when too many more people arrive, then you need like an associate pastor to handle the care. Or you need a, that's the decision of the church to decide, okay, maybe we aren't the $250,000 lean church anymore because that's not a part of the basic package of what it requires to make a church run. Um, when you get into associate pastor world or when you get into we're going to hire a part-time, like not like a stipended communications director like what I think Kingstown will need at some point, but like a, we're going to have somebody that's the chair of disciple, the, the, the director of discipleship and the director of communication. I mean, things that it's not going to be 250 anymore. But we don't believe that those things are necessary for a church to run in this world now. Yeah. Are there any other questions? I don't see any online either. And just to clarify, um, uh, Pastor Michelle, I'm asking you directly, um, you know, if we are wanting to give more than what we are able, or if we're able to apply for grants, that is not referring to the 250,000. No, right. So um, I will, I'll let you in on something that, um, that is a conversation that's, ha that's going to be happening with the, the kind of common good team, and, and it's something that Melissa and I are talking about currently, and, and, um, and but like, there's a huge collaborative effort with Rising Hope that is on the table that if we could get a $50,000 grant we are applying for, the, it, it, we would buy a, a, a shower and laundry truck. Um, to, so there is, there's this, there is this, <laughs> thank you. Um, other people are looking at me like, I don't really know what you're talking about here. Um, the, but there, that's the kind of big dreaming that is not what we're like, we can dream big because there are people who want to give $50,000 um, grants to that stuff, right? Uh, there's certain things that they don't want to give grants to. So we do have to have congregational giving for certain things. Um, you're not going to find funding for my salary, for Brett's salary, for the basic staff of the church that way. But there are some, um, like this coming year, Sam and I, I think you saw up there that one of the new things is dreaming how to do alternative worship for people, um, people for whom the space on Sundays just is never going to work and they're never going to show up here. The two main areas, the two main branches off of that that we see the most is people who want, who want to connect to their faith only through serving. And so what could it look like to have a, um, a service that is all about service and justice? Rethink worship completely where it's not music, sermon, you know, scripture, sermon. The scripture is there, but the sermon looks totally different. The, the, you know what I mean? Like a service that's all about serving. What would that look like? Um, what would it look like? What Sam and I are talking about, the other category is families, that this just does not, won't ever work into their life. They're not going to make, it, make a Sunday morning. It's just hard in so many ways. But what would it look like to do um, a film, like a movie church, once a quarter where you pack like we did Barbie but we pack out a, um, a movie theater there is an entire guided devotion and worship around the, the the like the theme of this movie and how to connect with God with it with added later online connection um, where we keep talking about it um, and in a, some kind of online small group with parents who then use it with their kids there's those are the kind of things we want to do and those are the kind of things that there are so many grants for. 
So there, there's the grants for like the $50,000, uh, you know, shower truck um, that are coming from external the church. But inside the church world, there are countless people wanting to give $5,000, $1,000, $2,000 towards new ways of doing ministry that are outside of Sunday morning. What do they not want to give to? Your normal Sunday morning. <laughs> so if you like Sunday morning, you got to come and still pay for it. And still, you know, you still have to give to the church because that grants likely aren't going to cover this. Um, yeah. All right. That's everything for me. Unless you all have more questions. Fantastic. All right. Um, Tanya's going to send us out today with a prayer for the church. And so let's, we should definitely send this meeting out, not in a business headspace, but in a prayerful headspace. And so would you pray with her? Can everybody hear me? Let us pray. Most merciful Father, send your heavenly blessings upon this your church, that all its members may dwell together in unity and love. Keep far from us all self-will and discord. Endue your pastors with righteousness and enable them faithfully to fulfill their ministry, to bring again the outcasts and to seek the lost. And grant to us so to receive their ministrations and to use your means of grace that in all our words and deeds we may seek your glory in the advancement of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen.